Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris here with you for another week. And this week, we do uh, an album that I knew we were going to get to at some point. Uh, and I'm very, very happy to be doing it now. Avantasia's The Metal Opera, the, the original from 2001, as we celebrate uh, its 20th anniversary. But before we get into that, Chris Bud, how you doing, man? Good. I, I guess you didn't get my my email. Um I actually changed my mind and I wanted to talk about another zero hour album. So um. <laughs> I'm ready to go, man. You don't have, you, you can pull tricks with me. I am, I am absolutely ready to go, but I, but I have to say that, um, this one is right in my wheelhouse and I think we're going to have a nice discussion about, uh, about some Avantasia. Although if you want to do zero hour next week, man, I'm, I'm all for it. I, I thought I was going to like sit down and listen to this album every day this week and, and I didn't and I'll get into it when we, um, when we get into it, but um, I, I actually haven't even listened to it since Wednesday, and it, it's just it's so ingrained in my mind that I just I listened to it. I think maybe just twice this week, and it was all that I needed. I, I don't even know if we had to listen to it because I know it's just one of those albums for us. But like I said, we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, a couple of things I just want to mention right off the bat. Uh, requests have been coming in for, for albums that we're going to cover. And, and we appreciate that. And as, as more come in, uh, you know, we look forward to getting to them all eventually. Uh, and it's nice to see some diverse genres, too. We had some prog metal come in, some thrash metal, even a death metal album request, which I thought would be pretty interesting down the line. So we look forward to getting to all these and more. I think, as we said last week, maybe we'll do uh, one a month, maybe to kick off each month just to do something a little bit different. So keep the requests coming. Keep the social media interaction coming. We really appreciate it. and We like to see the feedback from everyone. And it also helps other people to um, to find the podcast and, and, and our show as well to, uh, you know, to keep things fresh. Um, also, uh, I figured I'd ask you with this, any, anything that you've been listening to week that, uh, listening to this week that stands out to you? Yeah. Now that my face is starting to feel normal again, I, uh, I've haven't been in such a rush to finish working, which means I've had more time to, to listen to music. And, um, I got to catch up on a lot, a, a bunch of new albums that, that have come out in the last couple of weeks. And, um, the one that really, uh, that I really took notice was the new Labyrinth album, Welcome to the Absurd Circus. I think I even made a comment about it on, on Twitter. Um, oh my goodness. I mean, I, it, it's, it's exactly the type of Labyrinth music that you want to hear from them. Um, just like speedy and, and, you know, your high, your high power metal vocals. It's got everything to, that there is to love about Labyrinth. Um, they are really, pretty much back to where they were in the late nineties in that return to heaven denied kind of era. Like as far as quality goes, uh, just, just fantastic. Um, yeah, this one really surprised me only because they, they've kind of drifted away from that sound more and more as time has gone on. And although I loved almost all their albums for different reasons, return to heaven denied holds a special place for me. And this was the closest thing that I have heard to that. And I just absolutely love it. And I can't speak highly enough of it. And I would be shocked if there's a power metal album that comes out in 2021 that I enjoyed more than the labyrinth. I I think I've listened to it. I like probably close to like six or seven times already. And it's just going to, it's just going to stay in rotation all year. I can tell. Yeah. It's the power metal album to beat in 2021. They, They started off, uh, with the, you know, making the competition tight right from the get go. Uh, two other albums that I, I listened to that came out that I really enjoyed. Uh, Therion came out with a new album called Leviathan that, um, it's definitely my favorite Therion album in a while. I feel like they kind of got back to the meat and potatoes of what they're good at. And it's making a focused, you know, short, like a shorter effort. The last album was three discs long. It was very, uh, I think I use the word masturbatory. Um, it, it made it made the astonishing look like a Green Day album. Um, <laughs> so, and and the album before that was all in French, and I never really got into it too much. Um, so, but I really enjoyed this. There's uh, guest spots on it by uh, Marco, sadly, formerly from Nightwish, um, and uh, also I I don't remember her name, but the singer from Scardust also has a um, a guest spot on on this album as well as former Therion vocalist uh, and Candlemas vocalist, Matt's Levin. So um, really enjoyed this. And uh, another album that um, 
actually came out today was uh, Kalidia has re-recorded their um, debut album, Lies Device. I might have mentioned the single in a previous episode, but now the whole album came out today. And man, um, it's fantastic. I actually went back and listened to the original. And um, I don't think I ever really noticed that the production wasn't great on it. And maybe it's just a matter of comparison with this new production, how strong it, it is. But um, the song, the quality of the music is just fantastic. I think it's, I actually like it better than their their sophomore release. Um, I highly recommend this. It's just really good, uh, just Italian power metal. Um, definitely recommend uh, those three albums for sure. I really enjoyed all three. On your rec, I went back and listened to uh, the original recording this week. And although I, there were certain songs that really stuck out to me, some of it was just a little bit, uh, I don't know if it was maybe, maybe it was the lack of production. It really didn't grab me the way that I had hoped, but I also could see that the potential was there. So I want to, I, I definitely want to hear the new one to compare. I just think that uh, with a little bit more budget behind it and a little bit better production, I could see the songs pop a little bit more. So, uh, you know, I'm going to go back and listen to that as well. So some good stuff there. Uh, just a couple things that I wanted to mention as well. Uh, Vola, the Danish progressive metal band, uh, came out with a new single called Straight Lines. It premiered, I think, yesterday. Uh, if you're a fan of that uh, more modern progressive metal sound, highly, highly recommended. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that song. And another song that came out uh, yesterday as well was the new Sweet Oblivion uh, song called Strong Pressure. And for those that aren't familiar with Sweet, Ob- uh, Sweet Oblivion, it's basically the best stuff that J- Jeff Tate has done, uh, you know, basically since early 90s Queensryche. That's how good this stuff was. Uh, what's interesting is that their last, or I should say the last album by this band was basically, um, I guess, not only written by, but produced by uh, Simone from DGM, who's really one of the top producers out there at this point. But from what I understand, there was a bit of a falling out between the two, and he is not on this album at all. But instead, uh, Jeff had teamed up with Aldo from Secret Sphere, uh, who is one of the most underrated guitar players and songwriters out there. Uh, and, and if this single is any indication, we have a lot to look forward to from the new Sweet Oblivion as well. Uh, have you had a chance to listen to that? I know that we had talked briefly about the first one, you know, off the air. Uh, I have not yet, but I do look forward to checking it out. Yeah, it's 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 good stuff. I, I mean, it's it's pretty straightforward, but it's nice to hear Jeff Tate with some really good songwriting behind him. Yeah, and I, then mean, last- I mean, actually, um, I, I should point out that he's done guest spots on the last couple of Avantasia albums, and I've also heard a lot of people that that said that. Um, I think I believe he took uh, Michael Kisk's place on their tour when Kisk was uh, going out with Halloween, and they said that it was some of the best work he had done in a while. So it sounds like. Um, He's kind of having like a, a renaissance. Yeah, I got to be honest. I saw him play a show with his solo band. Uh, I guess it was probably maybe about three years ago now. Uh, and they did all of Operation Mindcrime, which is one of my absolute all-time favorite Desert Island discs. Uh, I never get tired of that album. And he sounded awesome. for, And he was hitting some of those notes that I just never thought he would get back to. But it, it, it's just there was a power and a crispness behind his voice that I just uh, – he still got it. And, and like I said, I was I was surprised that he could still pull it off live. Kudos to him. I know that he recently did a Rage for Order Empire tour. Unfortunately, I, I didn't catch that tour. But he, he still got it and he's still playing the old stuff. But this is, like I said, breathes new life into in, into uh, into his vocals. And you're right. It, it is kind of fitting because he did, he did do a bunch of guest spots for Avantasia and he has toured with them. Um, and just one other thing that I, I wanted to mention, uh, a recommendation came in for a band called My Last Whisper, which is really a two-man project out of Sweden. Uh, the only thing I could say about these guys is that they came out with two discs. The most recent one was in 2019 called Ascended, and it's basically Vanishing Point from Australia. That sound with a little bit of a power metal uh, tinge to it, really, really well done. Uh, I guess we'll call it progressive power metal, uh, but really well done. And I found out that they're coming out with another album this year. So I look forward to hearing that uh, when it drops. Um, And with that, let's get to the reason why we're here. Avantasia's The Metal Opera. When did you first even hear that this was going to be a thing? Oh my God. Um, I I can literally in my mind, like see where I was sitting 
where I was when I found out about it. I was in my my dorm room my freshman year of college, um, and it I can't remember if it if it came out through Ed Guy's website at the time, but I just remember, um, you know, uh, Tobias Samet, lead singer and you know founding member of Ed Guy was you know, working on this, this metal opera. I mean, it's what it ended up being called, but, um, you know, it was a rock opera with, you know, all of the, all of the, the best, you know, metal vocalists at the time. And up until that point, I would say that only Arion had, had really, um, done anything akin to this. Although, you know, Arion is more of a progressive metal project. You know, this was going to be a, a symphonic, more of a symphonic power metal situation. And as the names started to to break out, um, I would ju- I just got more and more excited because I, you know, first it was Andre Matos, and then it was Kai Hansen, and then uh, Rob Rock, and then uh, David DeFice from Virgin Steel, and then um, and then Ernie, and I was, I was like, who the hell is Ernie? And I'll never forget. They posted a 90 second clip on, it must've been Ed guy's website. Um, and it was just a, a 90 second clip from reach out for the light. And all they said was check out this, uh, check out this clip from, from our album that's coming out featuring the, the vocal stylings of Ernie. Right. And, and as soon as I heard it, I was like, I mean, I, I, I know it's a family show, so I'll, I won't say what I'm thinking, but um, <laughs> I was like, holy crap, that's Michael Kisk. And, yeah. and he hadn't oh. really done anything in, in the metal world since he left Halloween in 1993. So it, it like hearing him on a metal album was, was just completely mind-blowing at the time. And I just remember at that point, I was psyched out of my head. And then to come to find out that the musicians on this album were going to be made up of, of Henjo Richter from Gamma Ray on guitars, Marcus Groskopf from Halloween on bass, Alex Holsworth from Rhapsody on drums, and then Tobias from Ed Guy doing the lead vocals with all these other vocalists as guest vocalists. And it was like, you know, how, what could go wrong? Yeah, I just want to set the stage because going back 20 years, I think that at this point, I was um, at the height of my Ed Guy fandom. I was a huge fan of their stuff, you know, based that late 90s Ed Guy. And they obviously changed their sound a little bit over the years, um, you know, as we got to the later records. But this time period when they had just done Theater of Salvation, I was blown away by that album. And I thought that between that and Vainglory Opera, that was what power metal should sound like to me, or at least quote unquote modern power metal at the time. And when, when I heard that he was doing this album and then, as you said, as the vocalists and the musicians started to be announced, uh, the only thing that I could compare it to was the power metal answer to uh, into the electric castle by Arion, which is great but it's just a different feel because of the, of, of the genre. And, you know, I, I think it bears noting a, a little, in a little bit more detail as to what Michael Kisk was and was not doing at the time. As, as fans, I think we knew obviously that he had done, you know, those classic Halloween albums. It was the greatest stuff that I had ever heard in terms of like power metal. And then, you know, at the same time, he obviously had had sung with Gamma Ray on a song, and there was obviously still a relationship with Kai Hansen there. But it was made clear in a number of interviews that he was 100% done with metal. He was doing his own solo stuff, which was more of like an AOR sound uh, or like almost like a contemporary rock feel to it. And it was great to hear him sing. But he wasn't singing songs like Reach Out for the Light at this at, at, at this juncture. So when Ernie is announced and it turns out he's going to be on an album that's ultimately called The Metal Opera, that was probably the most exciting thing that I could imagine. And, and I remember when they released that clip uh, with him singing and I said, this, this is what I've wanted ever since I heard, you know, Future World, like that, that, that it was, it was great to hear him again. And I'll say this about Michael Kiss. 
maybe it's because he didn't have the mileage that some of the other vocalists had on their on their vocal cords. But I remember thinking to myself, he sounds he hasn't missed a beat, and it had been ten years since he laid down a track like this. Yeah, I always kind of chalked it up to you know not having to live that tour life and and just blow out his voice his voice his voice for from from just touring constantly and being, you know, having to, to sing those high notes every single night. Uh, I, I, I imagine that if had he kept up that lifestyle, he might've sounded more like Kai Hansen by the time yeah. 2010 rolled around or, or whatever. So yeah, he, it, he it, sounded, it, it sounded like a, an 18 year old, you know, keeper one, Michael Kisk, just like, um, and I remember getting the single, like, and I did not, Rarely ever was I going to pay like $15 to import a single when I was 17 years old and barely had any money. But this was something where I definitely bought the, they released a single with um, the the title track as well as uh, reach out for the light on it. Um, And it was just like, I had, I just had to have two or three songs ahead of, of this coming out. Like I just had to, be able to listen to it before it was released. Yeah, it's it's funny because I can't remember to this day being more excited for an album to come out than I was this one. And I, and I, and you think about now where everything is kind of announced in advance and you have an idea as to, you know, what's coming 3 months out or 6 months out or a year out. I've never been so excited as I was for the announcement of and the subsequent clips for this album. The the um the expectations were through the roof and I was almost ready to be disappointed because, you know, you've heard, you've heard other announcements come out in the last 20 years and you say to yourself, Oh, I think this is going to be phenomenal. And it just kind of falls short, maybe because you had such high expectations for me. I think, I think of Symphonia. That's the first yeah, thing that I mean, pops I think into that, my head. That, as, as I was giving the example, that's the example. That's just one of many that come to mind where I had such lofty expectations. And in some cases, they fell a little short. And in Symphonia's case, it fell quite a bit short, if I'm being polite. But with this, it exceeded all expectations, even though my expectations were absolutely through the roof. And I haven't lost my love for this album in 20 years. I mean, I put it on, not that I needed to listen to it, I could probably sing it for you. But I, I just I even today, it holds up so, so well. And it's just what I like my power metal to be. Uh, it, it kind of reminded me, I, I mean, I think, I don't think it was really that long ago that I sat down and listened to this album straight through because it's just one of those albums that I always go back to. But it, it just reminded me of how how much Avantasia has grown in the 20 years since this album was released because it's so... Their albums are are such a a, a massive production now with, with these orchestrations and and this is to me like a lot more just like straight up power metal to the point. I feel like Avantasia now is a lot more uh, maybe fancy would be the word compared to this was a lot more just like I don't know if raw is the right way to describe it. No, but. I was going to use the same. It, it's raw, well produced. It, I mean, it's one of the best sounding albums in in the genre, even to this day. I think it sounds perfect, but it's raw. It's 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 laid down the drums, laid down laid down the bass and guitars over it, and then have these this this all star cast of singers sing over the top, and that's it. There was not much orchestration uh, obviously parts of farewell and stuff like that which we, we'll, we'll get into but the, the, there's just not as much orchestration behind it and you can see even they have evolved over time um just because like i said i mean they they've come out with al- albums regularly and, and and they're all fantastic but it's not quite the same style as it was or, or, or not as raw as as the metal opera was yeah i think it's just it's they're a lot more uh like bombastic nowadays i mean in a good way not like in a like you know for the sake of, of being bombastic like it's just the production is just so incredible now and but honestly like i go back and i listen to to the very first album and to me like I, I, I don't feel like they've topped this album as good as all of their albums are. I just feel like this is, they just, 
<laughs> they just came out with a debut that was just like un just unbelievable. Like the 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 cast, the story, the songwriting, just like everything about it. It has one of the best ballads of all time. It has uh, two. I'm sorry, two of the best ballads of all time. Um, like all of the the fast paced songs are unbelievable. It has an epic final song. Um, it, it's I mean, it, it's it's pretty much what I would consider the the perfect power metal album. Yeah, it's it's I I, I don't disagree with any of that. Uh, what I'll say is this: and before we get into the album itself, and, and we'll we'll certainly get there. From what I understand, the way that Michael Kiske even got involved in this in the first place, just going that back to that for a second, apparently uh, Tobias Samet just harassed the hell out of the guy, and until he basically just acquiesced and said, "I'll do it." Just don't use my name. And that's why the whole Ernie thing became a thing because Kisk just said, you know what? I I, I just basically st- stop asking me to do it. I'll sing for you. And that's how he got involved. I'm not sure how he got involved with some of the other musicians on the disc, but I think it is worth noting, you know, Oliver Hartman still tours with him and plays guitars at the live shows. Uh, Matos, rest in peace, had had, had, had toured with him, uh, you know, over the years. Uh, and, 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 you know, the, the band, if you will, is still intact. I believe Alex Holsworth has even played drums with them on tour, although not, 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 not as of late, but, uh, it's, it's just, it's just an amazing, uh, compilation of musicians that may have laid down like the perfect album. And let, let's, let's talk about the album. You know, it starts out with Prelude, which is really this like, kind of like a, you know, use the word bombastic, uh, introduction, this grandiose introduction and then they go into one of the best power metal songs of all time reach out for the light oh my god i remember like hearing what what for me it's kind of funny is that reach out for the light uh maybe not that song but i mean it may have been the second song i ever heard michael kisk sing live i like i to this day have never seen him sing with halloween but i've seen him sing with avantasia um and i just remember being so like emotionally moved by seeing somebody that I've want that I wanted to see perform for over 15 years of my life or however long it was, uh, finally getting to see him perform. And, and then you're in land the same night also for the first time. Uh, but, um, I think about hearing that song, that song to me is just, uh, you talk about prelude, like it just kind of like, almost lulls you into this false sense of security and then reach out for the light starts. And it's like, Oh, we're just going to blow your socks right off with the song. Um, it's, it's just, and they didn't waste their time. Like they were just like, all right, let's get kiss on the, the first main yeah. track. Like let's get it going. And then, and then it doesn't even like, there's no like, uh, you know, segue or, or, or like a slower song. They go right into serpents in paradise, which is a, another like, just slapper of a song with uh, David DeFeist from Virgin Steel, who provides like these fantastic raspy kind of like, like almost dark and evil vocals that are such a great um, dichotomy to Tobias. Um, just like we're, we're, we're like, you know, 13, 14 minutes into this album and it's already, it's already like incredible. Yeah. I, I'm going to stop you there only because I want to touch on a couple of things that you said. First of all, when you listen to Serpents in Paradise, and I don't know if this was done on purpose, I know that uh, Arjun Lukinson definitely does what I'm about to say, but I, I think Tobias does as well on this record and, and subsequent records. It Serpents in Paradise very much reminded me of a Virgin Steel song. When you listen to a song like Farewell, it very much reminds you of a Sharon Denadel led Within Temptation song. And it's almost like he wrote the songs with the vocalists in mind and almost paying homage to their original bands. Did you catch that? Or maybe it's just me. You know, I never really thought about it, but it, it completely checks out. Like, uh, it makes a lot of sense to me. L- like, listen to Inside and you have, like, just the the, the, key, the, 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 the keyboards with Andre, Ma- Ma- Andre Matos' vocals on top. And it sounds like it came right off of Fireworks. You know, now that you mention it, I, I definitely was picking up when I was listening to The Tower that, uh, that I was getting, like, Stradivarius vibes from it. And... And you surprising. have like Timo Tolki doing the the voice of the tower, uh, you know. Now that you mention it, like that actually makes a hell of a lot of sense. 
I, and, and obviously songs like Reach Out for the Light sound like classic Halloween or, or songs like Aventasia. I, I, like, and again, I don't know if it's just me reading into it because I hear the vocals, but what I'll say is this. I think that I, again, this is just my two cents, my, my uneducated opinion. I think the songs were written in the style, at least loosely based on the bands that these singers came from, because it's just, it was too much of a coincidence for me. Uh, but I'll just tell you one other story because I think it's a nice segue because you talked about how this album just hit you right over the head from the start. Aventasia started touring in and around 2008 and never in my wildest dreams did I ever think I was going to get to see this band live unless I went to you know one of these big festivals in Europe where the band was playing in front of 40 or 50 or 60,000 people. And I wanted to see them so badly that I was prepared to do that, but as as the stars would align, and I don't even know how I found out about this, but Aventasia in 2013 got announced for a festival in Quebec City, Canada. And I decided, well, that's only 12 hours by car. I have to go see this show. So a buddy of my a buddy of mine and I, a listener of the show actually, uh, shout out to Pat if you're listening. We got in the car, we drove up to Montreal the day before the show, spent the night in Montreal. Drove another seven hours to Quebec City. And for those that don't know, when you get up to Quebec City, I mean, it is really French. And I don't mean that as a bad thing. It's just like, you know, I I don't speak French. I have no idea where I am but for my GPS. And I know that Aventasia is playing a concert and my hotel is across the street from the venue. That's all I know when I when I when I book this trip. So we we drive up, we drive up to Quebec City, and it turns out that what Aventasia was actually playing at was a 10-day festival that they've basically had since 2011. And they have three different stages set up in the heart of Quebec City. Uh, I, I can't speak as to the third stage, which is kind of like the small stage for like the up-and-coming artists. But I can tell you that the big stage is for bands like Elton John, Def Leppard, The Rolling Stones, Lady Gaga. I mean, like the biggest acts in the world play the main stage at this festival. And I think that it holds like 150,000 people at, at, at its capacity. Um, if I'm not mistaken, the indoor venue, which is like the smallest of the three holds about a thousand. So like th- you can see that this is like, a, you know, they got a lot of music artists playing over this 10 day period. Aventasia happened to be playing at the uh, we'll call it the middle uh, the middle stage at this uh, at, at this uh, festival, and it turns out that when we get up there, we uh, wait outside the venue for us to get let in because we had every intention of going up front because I figured I would never have the opportunity to see this uh, ever again. And as luck would have it, the entire band was like walking by, and I got to meet all these guys before the show, which was like a highlight for me because I never thought I'd get to meet. Um, people like Michael Kisk or, or, or um, even uh, really just about anybody in the band who I hadn't met at that point. And personally, I was a little bit concerned just because I thought like I had heard rumors of, of certain individuals not being like the greatest guys. Uh, I was blown away at how absolutely awesome these, uh, these guys were. Uh, Eric Martin, nicest guy in the world. Uh, Oliver Hartman, couldn't have been nicer. Um, it, it was just one after the other. They were all like just so cool. And then here I am finally getting to meet like my, my idol, Michael Kisk. And he was like the nicest guy in the world. So much so that he actually put on his like website the next day, how people had driven 12 hours just to go see Aventasia in Canada in front of 5,000 people. I was a little inebriated the night before and was like half sure I was going to get up the next morning, get in the car and drive to Montreal with my friend Amy and see that and not even tell you, just show up. And- yeah. And then and which would have been funny because the show was in Quebec city. So you would have actually, if you were really that drunk, you probably would have gone to the wrong city, but I, I kid, uh, that, that, that show was one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen. And when you turned around and you just saw the sea of people rocking out to Aventasia, and just another note, Tobias Samet was actually quite sick the day of the show. So a lot of his lead vocal spots, he didn't do. And Michael Kisk, as luck would have it, as a huge Kisk fan, filled in and did a lot of the lead vocals that night that um, 
that Tobias would normally do. So it was like, here I am seeing him for the first time. And he's even singing songs that he typically didn't sing live. It was, it, it was, if it wasn't the best show I've ever seen, it was in the top three. That's how great that concert was. And we've been to hundreds and hundreds of shows, both before this and after this. Uh, that's yeah. I, I, I had regrets about not going to that show until, uh, you know, our, our friend Milton, who, you know, chose our album last week, helped promote their uh, first show in the U.S. Or was it their first? Did they play the show in California? Show before in California, it? but you know, it was one of their. It was basically their U.S. tour. Uh, you know, a couple of years after I had seen them up in Quebec. Yeah, um, you know, I oh, and and just a little sidetrack on that. I remember thinking that one of my friend's weddings was going to be the same night as this concert and i was like oh you got to be kidding me and i'll never forget when milton told me that they had changed it from saturday to friday night and be and the wedding was only like an hour and a half from new york city where the concert was so it all just kind of worked out really well and uh, i got to see avantasia and then uh go see my friend get married the next day and it was one hell of a weekend I'll say I, I, I remember that show well, and, and I would put that up there in the top three as well. And I, and I don't say that lightly. Uh, if you've never seen Avantasia, go out of your way uh, to see what is can only be described as like the greatest production you'll ever see. Yeah. And and honestly, um, obviously, nobody's going to any shows right now. Um, there are some really good like full uh, full concert recordings on youtube that you can find from you know pro shop from vakin or off of their uh their dvd that they released um i think there's at least a couple of pro shot full shows from vakin that you can find with different uh guest vocalists i know there's one with uh kai hansen and there's one with michael kisk so um i know the the dvd has uh has andre matos on it so um yeah definitely worth going out of your way and just checking out uh i'm sure we'll post at least one or two live, live, either full concerts or live tracks uh, throughout the week. But, um, you know, since you, and plus they don't tour really super often either because you have to get a lot of people's schedules lined up and you're talking about, you know, Jorn Land and, and Michael Kisk and, and all these guys that, you know, have, you know, other bands that they're in. So, um, definitely, uh, just check out anything you can find online. It's, it's really cool seeing different, like different vocalists sing different songs. And, you know, like, I don't think Sharon from within temptation has ever been able to play with Avantasia. So you get to see, um, you know, people like Amanda Somerville and whoever else that, that happens to be doing those parts. It's just Adrian really cool. Cowan is yeah. with them. I mean, yeah. they've had a, they've had just vocalists from all walks of life, uh, you know, Phil and, uh, very admirably and just do a phenomenal job on these songs and, and the rest of the catalog. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I think just getting back to the album for a second, you know, there, you know, you listen to track five, like breaking away another track that just stays in your head for days because it's so melodic and so powerful. And, and then you get to farewell, which is the sixth track. Um, maybe one of my favorite songs of all time. Yeah, I mean, just a fantastic. Uh, it's a duet between Sharon Denadel from Within Temptation and Tobias Samet with, you know, Michael Kisk also providing vocals as well. Um, it's just, oh my God, it's just such a beautiful song. Um, even more so uh, performed live. Um, breaking away right before it, the, I love the that little like drum part that leads into the song that just gets like, gets you going. That's another really fast paced, really great song. Another, another Kisk uh, showcase, but yeah, farewell is such a, a beautiful, um, I love the uh, Michael Kisk singing the, the high parts towards the end of the song. Um, it's oh, just, yeah. it, it's just, Goose, it's, I have goosebumps just thinking about Yeah. That. It's such an excellent song. And that's why when I was saying, um, before um one of the best ballads and then i corrected myself the two best ballads um you know between farewell and, and inside um those two ballads right there like you know it's not it doesn't feel like filler which sometimes ballady songs can feel like on an album where all the other songs are like really fast paced rocking songs i mean they really they kind of slow things down right where in a place where 
they they need to be. I mean, the the, the placement is perfect. Uh, it's uh, it's it, you know can't say anything that hasn't already been said. It's just a really beautiful song. Yeah, and and then it goes right into I think low key one of the most underrated songs in the entire Aventasia catalog, which is the Glory of Rome. I think the vocals on this particular track. You know, it, it doesn't get the love that some of the other songs do, and it does, and it's certainly a song that they haven't played live. But it's low key, one of my favorite Avantasia songs. Just the, the 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 dichotomy between Hartman's vocals and and Rob Rock's vocals. I just something about that track um, really resonates with me, and it's one of those things that I, I I you almost forget about because of all the other great tracks on the album. But it's it's a real, really, really solid track. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I think. Um... It's always been one of my favorite songs on the album, without a doubt. And and just to put a bow on it, you know, the last two songs, Sign of the Cross is an epic track that has been played live by them on a number of occasions. And then it ends with a nearly 10-minute song that basically features almost all the vocalists on the album. And it's like, it almost reminds me of, it's almost like the perfect lead-in to the first track on the next uh, the metal opera part two, because that also is a, is a lengthy song and they just kind of flow into each other perfectly. Yeah. And also uh, I, we, we missed uh, the the title track Avantasia. Um, just, uh, I, I just wanted to kind of point, mention that I remember seeing Ed guy play at Prague power three and then playing this song and also playing, uh, I believe they played inside as well. Um, and I remember being really excited getting to hear a couple of Avantasia tracks um, during an Ed Guy show, but I thought it was super cool that they played Avantasia live. It was really cool getting to hear that. Yeah, I, I, I was. I don't know that I was expecting that when they did it, but I remember like I, I couldn't believe that I was hearing this music live because at the time, uh, Avantasia as a touring band it wasn't a thing. It wasn't on anybody's radar and they wouldn't tour for another six years after this. So to hear those songs live was awesome. And, and, and honestly, they became staples in Ed Guy's set for years. Um, but you know, I actually want to bring that up later, but before I do, do you, what is your track of the week and good luck choosing one, because I have a feeling that you could choose any of these tracks and, and, and it would be very, very representative of what this album is and what it means to you. Yeah. I, I honestly, have no idea like this is like one of those throw a dart at the dartboard and um you know i i just kind of wanted to quickly like make a couple of comments about the last two tracks um sure yeah sign of the cross is just um i believe that's kind of the uh the 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 closing song for their all their tours i'm pretty sure they end their show with um is it is it sign of the cross or am I? Uh, yeah, it's like a sign of the cross medley with the um, the seven. What's that first track on the second album? Seven, the seven angels. Um, yeah, they, they they do they do like a sign of the cross seven angels medley. Yeah, which, uh, and that, it's very fitting. It fits. It flows yeah. very very sign well. Of the cross you. is just another fantastic one of the best power metal songs of all time. Um, and the tower and, and the interesting thing about the tower is that. The, the Tower is a song that I never really cared for, and I think it's because by the time I got up to it, I was just completely, like, exhausted <laughs> yeah. uh, from all of the – I mean, if you think about it, it's like, you know, take away the, the little segues in between. It's Reach Out for the Light, Serpents in Paradise, Breaking Away, Farewell, Glory of Rome, Avantasia, Inside Sign of the Cross. I mean – it, there's not I mean, a song. There's not a song there that's not a nine or above. And yeah, I, and, I, I, and I say that li- like like truly. If you just look at those songs on their face, every one of those songs is either a nine or higher. So, I mean, if you were to make a, a if you were going to try to make a best of Avantasia, like it would be difficult to take any one of those songs off of that list. So, you know, it wasn't until maybe this week, like listening to the Tower with kind of a fresh fresh ears and realizing what a, another fantastic song it is and and maybe it's just because it's this 9 minute song after you've just like gotten your ass kicked by the this just incredible album up to that point but um and, and I totally agree with you that it 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 sets up a such a great lead in for that first track the seven angels which 
by the way, and I would love to discuss the metal opera part two at some point, but I will say that that song, that 14 minute song that basically everybody that's on the part one album with the exception of Sharon Denadel is part of the song. Um, it's arguably one of my favorite, maybe my, my favorite power metal songs ever. Um, it's just that good. Um, so yeah, like as far as picking a song, um, (sighs) (laughs) you can't choose the album, but so you got, you got to pick one. Yeah. I guess, I guess if I had to, if I had to pick something, I would just pick out, reach, reach out for the light only because it is to me like that. Michael Kisk dipping his toe back into the pool of heavy metal again. And, and it makes you wonder like, had that not happened, would we have gotten to see him reunite with Halloween and do the pumpkins United tour and everything else that, that he's done. He's done so many different guest spots over the years. And he just really seems to have, have re-embraced heavy metal again. And this really was the, the start of that again for him. And um, so I think back at that 90 second clip that I heard online where I was like in tears. Um, I mean, in all honesty, it's just like, it's really a giant tie for me. Like, but I mean, if I had to pick one, um, that would, that would have to be it. That that is a uh, very well said, and, and I think that even though the song itself for me is a ten out of ten song, I think that it means so much more because of what it op- op- eventually opened up for Kisk in, in a very convoluted way, where he, you know he reunites with Halloween. They actually go out on tour. They record together. I mean, this was really like opening the door to a lot of those things in one sense. Uh, And and I say that because he went out on tour with Avantasia and and did multiple tours with them. So it was really like, as you said, dipping your toes back in the pool. And then he eventually just dove right back in. And and, uh, I'm very, very, very grateful for that because I I, I, I just... I also think that the song also represents the beginning of Avantasia as a band because it's it's the first full song on their first full album. It was the first teaser that they put out. So to me, like it kind of also represents the birth of, of what became this massive thing that, that that's Avantasia now. Um, so, you know, on a micro and a macro level, like it's kind of a, a, a really, really important song to me personally. And also, you know, to the metal community at large, no, no argument for me whatsoever if I have to choose a track, and like you said, I could close my eyes and pick any of them, I'll go with Farewell just because I think it's probably one of uh, it's one of those songs that not only is just perfect on the album, but it's one of my favorite songs to hear live by any band. I have goosebumps every time I hear it, both live and 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 even on, on the record. Uh, and it was really, as I said in the as we when we discussed Mother Earth, it was really a, a, an introduction to Sharon Denadel, who became one of my favorite female vocalists. So to hear her, Tobias, and Kisk on the same track, it doesn't get better than that for me. So I'm I'm going to go with Farewell. I I just think it's like a perfect track in the middle of the album. basically a perfect track among many perfect tracks, uh, you know, on this album. Uh, I feel like we could talk about this band forever. Um, but, you know, and maybe we'll get back to it someday. I'm, I'm sure we will. If you have to rate this on a scale of one to 10, and I have a feeling I know what your, your rating is going to be. 
what, what do you rate this on a scale of one to 10? And you can't say 15. Yeah. I, I feel like I've been a little bit transparent during this discussion so far, but you know, it's a 10. It's, it's easily a 10. It's not even, it wasn't even something that I had to think that hard about. I remember, I think the only other album I gave a 10 to was uh, Angra's Angels Cry since we started doing this. And even that one, I, I kind of had to th- think about it. Like, is this a 10? Is it a 9.5? This I didn't even have to think about, especially after re-listening to it this week and just realizing that like there there isn't, you know, you hear somebody say there isn't a bad song on this album. There isn't a good song on this album because right. every song is great. Like every song is a nine or a 10. I mean, the, the, the preludes and the segues notwithstanding because they're only about a minute and a half long each and are really more for, for helping move the story along. The, the tracks that I had, you know, mentioned before that make up the meat of this album, every song is a nine or a 10 and all together, the presentation, the story, the cast, the, the music, the ballads, everything, you put it all together. And to me, you have a 10 out of 10, a perfect, absolutely perfect power metal album. I'll tell you, I had a bit of an epiphany this week when I was listening to this, I was just thinking about all the albums that I listened to each day, each week, each month, each year, and all the albums that I've listened to over the course of the last 25 years, right? And I started saying to myself, there's a lot of albums that I listen to and almost like a completist. Once I start something, I just want to hear the whole album. And then, you know, I'll either like it or maybe I won't like it as much. But what I realized after listening to this is that like, I'm almost wasting my time with certain stuff. And obviously we talk about a lot of albums that we like each and every week, you know, as we, as we, as we begin the show. But I I thought about all the time that I've quote unquote wasted listening to stuff. That's just not as good as, as, as well, certainly as this, but as other things. And it almost realized, I almost realized that like, I kind of have to like truncate or like kind of get back to, to the meat and potatoes because I haven't listened to this album nearly enough and it still holds up. It is a 10 for me. And it almost opened my eyes to like, stop wasting time with stuff that's mediocre, because it's like, I'd rather listen to this again, if that makes sense. Well, I completely understand. I mean, I, I listened to this on on Monday and, and Tuesday. And the first thing I did on Monday, after I was done listening to this was to listen to the metal opera part two, because right. I just couldn't I was like, you know, I'm on a roll and, and it's, it's the, the, you know, the second act of, of the, the story. So, um, it was just, it goes hand in hand. I had to listen to it, but you know, as the week went on, you know, last week I, I, I listened to zero hours towers of avarice every single day, uh, just really trying to get that album, like, like just really get it into my head uh, with this. It was just like I would on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I, I thought about, listening to this and it was almost like the whole album is downloaded into my mind and it's already there and it was almost like i don't even need to listen to this again um because it's just it's just such a part of me that it's just i just didn't have to it, it was twice was was more than enough to just remind me how just absolutely wonderful this is like it's i i mean i could sit here for another hour and just talk about how much i love i love this album but um you know, it, it's it's just, uh, and I do believe it has the distinction of being the first album we've both given a ten to. So yeah, that this as is well. this is. I mean, that 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 I think speaks volumes, and and, and uh, you know, it's just it's it's great, and I, and I I think we'll just put a ball on it there. It is it is a fantastic fantastic album, um, and uh, you know, I I I, it, I don't see this ever getting old for me. I'll I'll, I'll leave it I'll leave it there. Uh, but th- with that, I think that's a nice segue into where we're going next week. And I know it's my choice to uh, to pick something. Uh, you know, as we sit here and record this on February 5th, uh, for, for, we're going to release it next week. There's an album that just celebrated an anniversary. And I, I want to be clear, we don't always just do al- anniversary albums. But this particular album celebrated an anniversary. And, and I thought it was particularly fitting because it's an album that um, I'll leave it. At, I'll, I'll say this. It is not my favorite album by this band. It may not be my seventh or eighth favorite album by this band, but to say that it wasn't a, um, 
iconic album for its time would be an, an understatement. Uh, and it's also the oldest album that we've uh, or that we will be covering. And that's uh, going back 40 years to February 2nd, 1981. Iron Maiden released its Killers album with Paul Diano on vocals, their second full length release. Uh, and that's what we're going to be talking about next week. The So the weirdest thing is that why why is that album in my head right now? It's so strange. Like it's as if I had thought about listening to it recently. Like I, I I don't know why that is so strange, but I'm so glad that you picked that because I always hear people talk about like how how great of an album it is and how um you know it it was the the second Iron Maiden album and the last they did uh, before Bruce Dickinson joined the band. And I've always been a big fan of Paul Diano's vocals. I mean, not as much as I love Bruce, but, um, so, but I'm not super familiar with the album. So I really, that's a great choice. I really look forward to, to digging deeper into that. Yeah. There's some, I, I think it's interesting because I am quite familiar with the album, although it's been a long time, although there's certain tracks that I haven't heard in many, many years but it, when I think back to uh, when I when I think of Maiden, I, I think of Bruce. So I, I just thought it was fitting to go back even older and, and really just kind of delve into the Paul Diano years and the, the the you know the beginnings, the infancy of Iron Maiden. Just because I think that uh, it'll be it'll make for an interesting discussion. And I think it's a very polarizing album. I think that a lot of people love this era, and then there's other people that are like you know Bruce, go Bruce or go home type of thing. So I, I look forward to a, a nice discussion with you next week. Yeah, I mean, I know personally, I've never really like gone out of my way to sit down and listen to it. So um, this will be a good opportunity to do just that. Yeah, and uh, that's what we'll do next and week. And we should mention that neither one of us were alive when it was released. Yeah, that's true. It also came out a year before we were born. So we're going way back in time on this one. I, I was um, going to say before before you, you uh, announced it, I was going to say, like, I can't believe that that the metal opera is 20 years old as a boy that sure makes me feel old. And then you were like, Oh, let's do an album. That's 40 years old. So <laughs> let's go back to the fifties and f- no, I'm just kidding. It's, it's, it's 40 years, man. It is a long time. And I'm, I'm curious to see how it's going to hold up because as I said, it's, it's been some time for me and, and obviously some of these songs, they still play live. So I, I I'm very familiar with, uh, you know, uh, some of the tracks on the record, it's not all of them. So it, it's going to be, it's going to be nice to go back and revisit some of these for sure. Um, and and I guess I'll just say this, you know. Again, thanks for the uh, thanks for the support. We appreciate all the feedback and all all the kind things. Keep the recommendations coming. We 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 keep track of them, and we will eventually get to them. And uh, you know, that's uh, that's pretty much it. We hope you enjoyed this week, and we look forward to bringing you uh, Iron Maiden's Killers next week. Yeah, that's I'm, I, that's I'm I'm excited. That's that's a great choice. Looking forward to it. Thanks, but I will uh, look forward to talking to you soon. And uh, to everyone out there, we hope you enjoy, and we'll, we'll, we'll catch up with you next week. All right. Take care. Take it easy.